0: Gutted shells of buildings, flames raging out of control, and an atmosphere of apprehension still hover over the quieting Watts section of Los Angeles. Here for successive days and nights, mostly in the nights, the long hot summer had erupted into violence. Powerless against snipers, looters, and arsonists operating in the dark, police and National Guardsmen had tried mostly to confine the disorder to the 42 square miles of this area. But as the outbreaks abated here, they started up in other communities. Although Watts is a predominantly Negro community, there seemed to be no elements of racial protest in the uprisings. Rather, they seemed to be riots without cause. Fire damage alone is estimated at more than $175 million. Even after order is restored, the police and 15,000 National Guardsmen, virtually the state's entire force, remain on duty. Now the guards and police must see that food markets are reopened, electricity restored, refuse collected. All the steps that must be taken in a city where a tornado... we have to lobby, we have to get together as a
1: group of people like uh, like other groups of people do, like the Irish do or the Jewish people do. They go to Washington and they show themselves in numbers and they pressure the government to make changes. I think we're going to have to
2: do that. Uh, the, the way that we have done that uh, so far is by burning down
1: buildings and by taking it out on each other. I think that we have to, to uh, redirect that energy into something positive and, and take it to Washington.
2: The national guards they 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 they, they going to move like robots you know they, they gonna move on us like robots, their, their, their attitude is, you know, hard, and then they gonna shoot his Brothers out there, look, they, they right from the hood. Well I came down here, me and my homies was listening to the radio all day, and uh, we were listening to the people voice their opinions. I've been trying to call in for a couple days, but then uh, Denzel Washington got on and he uh, gave a pledge, some money to try to rebuild this. For 10 years, myself, people like Ice Cube, Public Enemy, have predicted this situation, and we've been shut off by the radio stations and the media you know as being just black kids yelling you know we yelled about police brutality we yelled about the gang situation me myself personally just unhappy with the focus of the anger you know what i'm saying i personally would like to blow some police stations up you know what i'm saying and if it was up to me i'd burn the white house down you know because i'm I'm an anarchist i'm ready to do some but this is this ain't helping what we're doing to ourselves this ain't helping and in my my angle is not what we might be considered a positive one but the way america deals with problems is violence you know when they have a problem in the persian gulf they use violence. In Panama, they use violence. And I do not want to see no brothers die. But I know one thing, if the National Guard start busting down here, these brothers ain't ain't backing up. You know what I'm saying? And it could get bloody. But Bush ain't going to do nothing but pacify us. He going to pacify us. He going to divide us. He going to turn around and tell the Koreans, see what the black people did to you. And he going to turn around and tell the white people this. Look at the savages on TV. He's going to separate us once again. You know? We have to be very intelligent. There's white people right here. There's white people down there cleaning up. You know, as black folks, we can't. We got to pick our allies and, and tie in with them. If we can all get together, they can't do others. If the blacks and Hispanics and Asians and white people get together, the people that are really down with this, they can't do others. We're proving that right
0: now. Peace, quiet, and good order will be maintained in our city to the best of our ability. Riots, melees, and disturbances of the peace are against the interest of all our people, and therefore cannot be permitted. The jury found that they were all not guilty. Not guilty. Not guilty. And not told guilty. Not, not guilty. guilty not not Lovar, there's a, guilty a series of, of fires. Guilty. A lot of looting is going on. A disaster area, obviously. The jury found that they were all not guilty. Not Make
2: guilty, it rough. Not guilty, not guilty, not guilty, not guilty. A lot of activity continues here in Make it rough. It's not, it's not, rough. Guilty. Have, yes, fires. not guilty, the filthy. Was trying to kill me. When the news get to the hood, the brothers will be hotter than young pepper. Cuss bust, kicking up dust is a must. I can't trust a crony in a blue uniform. Stick a brother like a unicorn. Born wicked, Lawrence, pow, foul. Cut his damn throat and I smile. Go to Simi Valley and surely somebody knows the address of the jury. Pay a little visit. Who is it? Can I talk to the grand wizard? Then boom, make him meet the. Pretty soon we'll catch Sergeant Coon Shoot him in the face when I been him with a boom Stick, click, devils can't hit Introduces his to the AK-40 clip Two days brothers laid in a cut To get some respect we have to tear this dirty mother up But food for the maggots Lunch, punch, Hawaiian, lying Brothers ain't buying your story for me Tearing stuff up with fire Shooters, looters, now I got a laptop computer I told you what happened and you heard it, read it But all you could call me was anti-Semitic Regret it, nope, said it, yep Listen to my big black boots as I step Brothers had to break you off Something give Bush a push But your National Guard ain't hard You had to get Rodney to stop me Cause you know what, we would've told Dirty mother up. Make it rough. Hey, mugs, make it rough. Santa cake from Betty Crocker, over and Bacca, don't mess with the black on stores, but hit the foot like a steel, man, kill fire in bill. oh, what the hell, throw the cocktail, I smell smoke, got the hell out, ice cube luck out, my brother had a truck out, didn't get stuck out, in front of that store with the night. Santa Ditas. oh Jesus, Western Surplus got the heaters, meet us, so we can get the nines and the wet nuts, got the most spurt with the double-eyed buckshots, ready for But let me tell you something, the black man
1: want to come together, we did
2: want them to come together. But it's the outside forces that's trying to keep the black... We don't need no more police. We need to deal with our, our mental health, and we need to deal with all our, our young men coming out of Juvenile Hall, coming out of these penitentiaries and these jails, and we, a redirection program. Yeah. You, this know, is a you know, so when they get out, before they get out, we need to go in the jail and deal with them and have them working, get them job ready, so when they hit the streets, they they ready to work. They got their mind on the right track. And if you get out of the field, you, you ain't got nothing for me, I might as well go back to the field, you ain't got nothing for me. We wanna run our own program, we got no power and watch, we wanna run our own program. I can train everybody in here, cause so I bet you we can make some money. Off, I I claim that land, that land
1: is right now it's 94.1 KPFA Hard Knock Radio. Davey D. hanging out with you this afternoon. And we are talking about the 10-year anniversary. I hate to use the word anniversary, but we're commemorating and looking back on uh, an incident that took place and really changed a lot of uh, things that we deal with today especially when it talk about police brutality uh, the angst that a lot of us deal with in the uh, in the hood so to speak We're talking about the LA uprising um, the Rodney King verdict and uh, the resulting drama that took place and on our phone lines with us is somebody who uh, definitely played a key role in some of the uh, issues coming out of that uh, Mr. Twilight Bay how you doing sir?
3: I'm all right today.
1: How are you? I'm doing good, man. And, uh, you know, we were talking off air the other day, and you said it's not an anniversary, but we're going to call it a 10-year progress report, right? That's exactly what we're going to call it. Well, the, the, I like that. A progress report because there's still a lot of work to be done. Let's me let let's go back for people who don't know, because there's a lot of people that is just now 18, 19 years old. They were real young um, 10 years ago and might not know what happened. Um, april twenty ninth so let's take them back what 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 went on that just led to this explosion in Los angeles
3: well, you know in Los Angeles for quite some time people had been subject to various levels of police brutality and uh um, my, me myself i i had even been a victim of police abuse on several occasions as a teenager growing up in Watts. and um you know I can remember going back to when I was like um Fifteen, sixteen years of age. I'm 32 now. Where well, me and my friends would walk, be walking down the street, you know, and the police would, you know, come through tripping, and then, you know, we always would say, eventually, man, you know, this place is gonna blow up because people are getting tired of this, you know.
1: When you when you say tripping, you know, what what do you mean? I mean, what what? How did the abuse? What sort of uh, um, abuses were you guys dealing with? Well, you know, <clears throat>
3: one of the things that you know would happen is if you know they stopped you and asked you a question. You know, what gang you from? Oh, man, I don't bang. I'm not involved, you know. And, yeah, okay, whatever. And then, you know, they, they they would push you in your chest and things like that. And and in some cases, you know, if you had a snappy answer for them, and, you know, and what I mean by snappy is kind of quick to the point, and you know, one-word answers. You know, they, they get it all in your face and everything, right? And then, you know, they want to grab you up in your collar and everything push you up against the police car. Or they'll tell you, you know, Come over here, guys. Put your hands up. Put your hands on the put your hands on the hood of the car. You know the car been running all day, right? So the engine is hot. The engine is hot. You know, so the car is burning our hands. So the minute you manage to move your hands from the car. You know that. Oh, you're not gonna corroborate, Boom. You know, you get you get pushed in the back and hit. You know, knocked over or something. You know, and, and it's like, um, come on, man, that ain't even necessary. And most of us at that time, you know, we between the ages of 12 and 16 years of age. And this is how the police is treating us you know just a year about we were 11 10 years old they they had us in the sheriff basketball league and we were treated like little kids right And you know one year later you know closer to being a teenager here it is we start getting treated with all this abuse and in a lot of cases you know they will come through and um and and you have kids who hadn't even chosen to be gang members or even thought about being gang members and the police would just assume that you were just because you lived in the area and if you told them that you didn't you know they write it down anyway They look at the they look on the wall find whatever graffiti they found on the wall and say that that's the neighborhood you were from And you know you had cats who were in gangs who the police would pick up drop them off in their rivals neighborhoods announce over the loudspeaker that they you know hey yeah we got one of your rivals over here you know, and just leave you there, and you got to make it home the best way you know how, you know, and this is the kind of things that were taking place throughout the 80s coming into the 90s, you know, just the constant police brutality, and um, people got tired of that, you know, and it, and it was funny because a lot of people look at the Rodney King verdict as as uh, as the reason they say Rodney King uprising, you know, and I say, well, if you were on the ground here, you would know it was
1: more than Rodney King. <laughs> Definitely, it sounds and from what the way you described, it's almost like it was a a plan in action to make sure that once the uh, you know young brothers and uh, sisters in the hood got to a certain uh, point in life that they were going to be uh, almost institutionalized and indoctrinated, indoctrinated with uh, abuse, so that you know as a grown man never to cross that line with the police.
3: Oh uh, yeah. And that's most definitely what it is, a sense of social conditioning that took place, you know. So,
1: Is that the police?
3: Sorry okay. about that, my alarm.
1: <laughs> oh, okay, I thought that was the police, man.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's for no, people that just to
3: turn it off. But no, I mean, that's exactly what it is, social conditioning. You know, fear motivation is the strongest form of motivation that this world has to use. You know, and it's also the most negative. It it creates a conditioning, you know, that I don't think anyone in the world should support because fear motivation brings about all types of other things that can be, be that can be deemed negative. And what I mean by that is that you know, if you're constantly trying to make me afraid of you, eventually one day I won't be. Eventually one day I will fight. Right. Eventually one day I will push back. You know, and when I push back, what is going to be the end result? You know, what is, how far will this go? You know, and these are the kind of things that, you know, people were dealing with. But it's one thing in particular that I always like to point out about what happened during that time. You know, in 1988, Bloods and Cribs started their peace talks.
1: Now, this was, this was, this was before. The, the Rodney King uh, verdict and all that, right?
3: Oh, yeah. Okay. Way before. You know, in 1988 is when they started their peace talks. If people went back and checked the archives of local news media here in Los Angeles and newspapers, they will know that Bloods and Crips were talking in 88. And the Bloods and Crips continued to talk, continued to strive towards change coming forward. And there was many things that took place between 88 and 92. You know, there was many mysterious shootings that took place. There was many mysterious shootings where it was the same car, it was the same uh, description of individuals in the car. You know, and then it was this, this car was always moving, but however, whoever the individual was that was shooting was always capable of hitting his target. You know, because when 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 the, when the word would go out that you know there was a, a meeting somewhere, or a summit somewhere, and cats was sitting at the table talking you most definitely could see that the streets were a little calmer. Right. You know, and most definitely, you know, somebody had to fan the flames, right? Somebody had to kick it back up, right? And then they tell us, you know, well, you know, you guys you constantly say that the police is uh, instigating things down here and keeping 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 things going. You know, well where's your evidence of this? You know, who would have known that Rampart the Rampart scandal would have ever been uh 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 exposed
1: right you
3: know but it's it's just so much that was taking place and here it is Cass is constantly trying to deal with our issues in our community you know daryl Gates was in office as the chief you know he had operation hammer where basically they was coming through and they was just basically beating brothers up man and slamming brothers every day you know yeah. and Cass was trying to get their lives together but how can you get your lives together when you're constantly being abused and living in a community that has you know certain types of politically motivated economic embargoes that keep you from having industry so you kind of locked into the underground economy and everybody want to call you a
1: criminal man you hold on that that thought right there man we gotta marinate on that for a second because you definitely dropped in as we like to say science so to speak um... and let me just reintroduce uh, you to everybody that's listening um here this Monday afternoon, ninety four point one KPFA, Hard Knock Radio. On our phone lines we have Mr. Twilight Bay. Um you may have seen him um portrayed in uh Anna DeVere uh, Smith's um program. What what's the name of that show that she did?
3: Uh she actually um g- gave it my name. Okay. You know, it's a play and the name of the play is Twilight Los Angeles and um I'm one of the characters that is featured in her play. And um, the play was eventually turned into a documentary that aired a few times on uh, PBS, public broadcast television, and things of that nature. But I also know that, you know, she's uh, done a play all over the country. Right. And a lot of people, you know, were very impressed by it.
1: Now, you know, and, and also, you know, in addition to that, you were one of the people that was front and center in the middle of what was going on uh, 10 years ago today. In Los Angeles, um, let me ask you this: You talked a, a little bit about the conditions that were leading up to the uprising, and you talked uh, pretty good about the uh, police brutality. One of the questions that comes to mind was: it, Was it all the police, or was it black police, or was it white police? Um, you would think that, you know, with having black police chiefs and all that other stuff, that these things wouldn't happen. With more blacks on the force, but did it make a difference?
3: Uh, no. I mean. If anybody like to listen to the verbal newspapers that we call rap CDs and rap tapes, you know, all you got to do is go back and listen. You know, I mean, N.W.A. spoke of the conditions. Ice Cube, you know, laid it out clearly. You know, if it was a black, oh, don't let it be a black and a white one. Why? Because the black one's going to beat you down. Why? Because the black one's showing off for of the white top. He want to show that there is no loyalty to his people, and just because he's black doesn't mean he's not going to be like everyone else on the force. So, you know, uh, you know, it's like the greatest sense of betrayal, not the betrayal against your own people, but the betrayal against your own humanity, to not stand up for what is decent, right, and just.
1: Right, and, that, and that song that you're talking about with F the Police. almost oh, uh, definitely. By uh, NWA, and in fact, what we'll do is we'll take a break and, uh, and uh, play that song uh, for people so that they can uh, get an understanding, because this was leading up to those conditions and as we as you mentioned uh... Um, if you're in touch with your community you can look around especially in the arts whether it's hip hop or books and whatever and you can get an idea that something was brewing so uh, let me take a break and we'll come right back and we'll continue our conversation with uh, twilight bay
2: <laughs> right about now, when w- In the case of N.W.A. versus the police department, prosecuting attorneys are M.C. Rand, Ice Cube, and easy Nick, up for the order, order, order. Ice Cube, take them take up for the man. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help your black ass? You goddamn right. But won't you tell everybody what I can no, up for to say? Oh, the police coming straight from the underground. A young man get mad, because I'm brown. And not the other color, so police Narcotics. You'd rather see me in the pen than me and Lorenzo rolling in a benzo. Be the police out of shape. And when I finish, bring the yellow tape to tape off the scene of the star. Showing out for the white cop. Black police 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 showing out for the white cop. Ice Cube will swarm on any motherfucker in a blue uniform. Just cause I'm from the CPT. Punk police are afraid of me. Huh? A young mug on the warpath. And when I finish, it's gonna be a bloodbath. I got something to say. I'm the police. I'm the police. I'm
1: the police. All right, we're back with uh, Twilight Bay that was uh, NWAs F. the police, and um, talking about some of the things that was leading up to the .LA. uprising um, 1992. Let me ask you, everybody had a chance to see the film. Um, the footage that was shot with Rodney King being beaten. And I was a little surprised that we didn't see a lot of that unrest take place um, at that time. It it seemed like a lot of folks put a lot of hope and had some high expectations that justice was going to be done and that these police officers were going to go to jail. Was that the sense that was going on in South Central? Did people think that there was really going to be justice?
3: Oh, man, you know, it's it's funny because when I think back, you know, I remember being in the neighborhood kicking with the homies and talking about the situation and everybody like, yeah, man, finally caught them on tape. Man, now they're going to get what they got coming to them. You know, this is the attitude of people in the neighborhood. Finally they got caught on tape because for years this has been taking place and nobody seemed to have known about it. Nobody seemed to even cared about it. You know, but, you know, a lot of us felt like something was going to happen. We felt like, you know, finally these police officers are going to get what they got coming to them. You know, not only the Rodney King situation, but, you know, when that verdict came down, it came down on top of, it was like gasoline coming down on on top of a, a, a simmering fire that already had been set with just the verdict in the La- Latasha Harlan's case.
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
3: Natasha Harlins was killed by a Korean grocer. You know, and the and on her way to school, honor roll student. You know, this uh, young woman was murdered in cold blood. You know, and here it is. Not only did the, the the grocer receive the opportunity to bail out of jail, but she was also given only five years probation, and then she was given permission to leave the country. You know, unheard of in any murder case I've ever seen in my in my short time being here. But what was really, 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 uh, um. Uh, just cold about the whole thing is that, you know, same day on a different floor in the court building, a white man was sentenced to more time for abusing his dog Hmm. than this woman got for killing this little black girl. You know, this dude, you know, he's going to do some jail time, a few months on probation, but this woman do no jail time, leaves the country. Come on, man. What are you saying? A dog's life is worth more than a black child's life. I mean this is what people were looking at. This is what people were paying attention to. So here it is, yeah, we're seeing just how you feel about us. We're seeing just what you think about us. But wait a minute, wait, right, let's see let's see let's see how this thing gonna play out with the Rodney King verdict. You know. Let's see if they're gonna continue to push this line of no respect and no no, no uh 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 true understanding of humanity when it comes to African Americans. You know, and here it is, you know, we we saw exactly what they felt about us, you know, and I tell people that, you know, that's one of the questions, that's one of the things we have to look at that in regards to the unresolved black question or African question of African people in America is who are we, what are we, and do we not have the right to determine our own future and our own destiny? I think we have to relook at these things because we continue to exist in a country that has no respect nor loyalty towards us, but yet want to use us for everything. To fight in their wars, to fill their prisons for the for prison labor, to even be used as as bullet catchers in their military. So you know, this is the reality of our existence here. And how long are we going to continue to deal with that? You know. But I most definitely feel that all of those things, all of the years of abuse, the Tasha Harlan situation, and the, then when the Rodney King verdict came down, these were just things that galvanized. You know, the the feeling and the and, the, and and the and the pain that people were feeling in the community. I mean, they nowhere in the media did you hear about the Bloods and Crips marching, storming, you know, coming in on Los Angeles City Council meeting the day before the civil unrest.
1: Really? The no, day I didn't, I didn't know The day before the that... civil
3: unrest, five hundred Bloods and Crips from all over LA County was at the at the uh, city hall meeting to go in and address the most powerful city in the county. And 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 basically demand the right to be respected as men, demand the right to be respected as human beings, and that we deserve a fair opportunity to participate in the mainstream in order to be fathers to that can provide for their children and protect their communities, and that this demonization that we have been subject to had to
1: stop. You know. So what what happened as a result with all the Bloods and Crips coming together um, before the riots? I mean, what did, what was the city council's reaction and? And, and why didn't the papers cover it?
3: Well, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I don't know why the papers didn't cover it. But one thing I do know when it comes to this 10-year progress report, I have to give the whole situation a D-minus. You know? <laughs> and that's being nice because even then the city council acted as if they did not have a concern in the world. They didn't, it didn't, it didn't matter to them. So, what okay? So, you guys want to access, but no access was ever given, you know. And then here it is the next day, you know, after they show their in concern, you know, and the verdict comes down, and the community blows up, and everything goes crazy. And people are not only in LA, but all around the city of Los Angeles was burning, you know, <clears throat> people showed their frustrations. People showed their, their discontent, you know, what the situation was, and you know, and and then a lot of people say, you know, they say things about Palestine, and they say the Palestinians using this form of uh, war tactic of suicide bombers, you know, and and it's the ultimate uh, uh, level of of of, <clears throat> of showing your discontent or uh, your your disbelief for the conditions that you're living in is to just go and destroy yourself, let alone destroy your own community. You know, so when I saw what was taking place then, and I see what's taking place in Palestine today, it's the same thing. When people have no other way to show their discontent, then they go to what whatever is most effective, and what's most expect, effective in some cases is sporadic acts of of outrage. And, des- and destroying and tearing down whatever is around you to let people know. Well, if I can't live, if I can't have peace, if I can't participate in the mainstream, then there's nothing here for me, and none of these things matter. You
1: right. know, right? It's, yeah. Hold on a second. It's ninety four point one KPFA Hard Knock Radio, and the voice you're hearing on our phone lines is Twilight Bay, um out of South Central Los Angeles. One of the people that was right in the middle of the the stuff that was going down and painting a very good picture and offering a lot of insight as to what was what, what's really going on, what's the larger picture. Um, you know, one of the things that I wanted to ask you, uh, and, and one of the reasons I wanted to have you even on the phone, um, with, the, with the, uh, uh, the uprising, one of the things, as it was reported, and the way we got it, I guess, everywhere else around the country, was that they said the Bloods and Crips literally ran into each other on the streets, and made peace. Now, of course, you just clarified the fact that there was gang uh, peace talks taking place prior to uh, um, the uprising, almost four years prior, but maybe you can explain what the relationship between the gangs were uh, after the L.A. Uh, uprising. What what took place? Because it definitely seemed to uh, accelerate that process.
3: Uh, what had happened, you know, in the community that I'm from, which is Watts, Peace talks have been taking place since eighty eight. You know, <clears throat> I was one of the ambassadors if if I can be called that, that was there representing my community. At this meeting, in fact, I was the one that extended my hand to my so called rivals and said, Yes, we can't have peace that sent shockwaves through the community and the prison system and the rest of the country. You know, and at that time, it wasn't a popular thing to do there was a lot of backlash to it a lot of ga- a lot of guys that was in prison had their objections to it. but my point in doing it was that you know here it is, man, <clears throat> we've been living this lifestyle and the conditions in which we've been living in it hasn't shown anything that that's being productive you know and out after, after learning and studying and coming to a great understanding of who and what I was, I realized that I had been manipulated into a culture and been manipulated into destroying myself, sort of like the children of South Africa who are kidnapped from their villages and taken off and trained by the South African um, um, regime and then sit back into their community as agents to destroy the movement of the South Africans for liberation.
1: Mm. And it's
3: the same situation. The only thing is they didn't take our physical bodies, but they took our mental minds. Right. Know? So at the same time, here it is. We fighting and trying to build peace, and we're trying to bring it forward. The community of Watts established this communication. The Bloods and Crips were marching through one another's neighborhoods. The core group of individuals, Daoos Shirelles, Akilah Shirelles, cats from um, the, the Nickerson Gardens, cats from all these big, powerful neighborhoods in Watts were basically working together and communicating and it was starting to spill over into Compton it was starting to spill over into South Central Los Angeles where leadership from those neighborhoods started coming to the table and was saying okay we're going to we're going to give you give you an ear we want to hear what this is about i myself was invited to crip crip uh meetings of right. my rival the rival neighborhoods to my neighborhood meetings and i would be there incognito kind of dressed down where nobody can really tell who I was until the dudes who invited me told the cats, well, man, we got somebody here that we think you should listen to. And then, you know, I was received the opportunity to try to inspire this neighborhood to get involved in the peace process. So what happened was Watts had already made his mind up. This was going to happen. Okay. You know, Circle City Power Rules, the Nickerson Garden Bounty Hunters, the Imperial Courts, PJ Watts Crips, the Jordan Downs, Great Street Watts Crips, were the four neighborhoods that came together, two, house, three housing developments and one residential community who were, and it is, four of the most influential neighborhoods in Watts, came together and said, yes, we're going to do this. You know, and after, after the signing of that ceasefire agreement, after the coming together and going to the neighborhoods and saying this is going to be a reality, the next day the Rodney King situation blew up, and what you had is individuals who had been in communication since '88. Okay. Coming out, and you know those neighborhoods who were still kind of walking the fine line on whether or not they wanted to be with it for a moment had to had to stick their hand in it, you know, and say, "Well, okay, we we we, we want to come over here and do this, man." You know, looking at the conditions and how they're treating us, we want to be a part of this, you know, and that's what you had take place. Some neighborhoods had already had the conviction in their heart and was dedicated to doing it, and those were the neighborhoods that watched. And when they made it a reality, the other neighborhoods who were kind of skeptical and weren't quite sure exactly how far they wanted to go with it most definitely came in as a part of it after they seen that the attacks against our community just were not going to stop, and the only power we had was our unity.
2: Woke up the other morning, I heard a rumor They said the gang wars was over I told them they were straight tripping They said it's real as hell Can't explain the way I felt Too many years i seen my brothers die And I can't say that it was really that fly. But I used to gangbang when I was younger So it's really hard to tell a kid that he's going under I never thought I'd live to see us chill Crips and bloods holding hands, admit it's ill But I love it I can't help it. Too much depth on the streets and we dealt it. Van S boys, the Hoovers, the Sixties, Bounty Hunters, eight trade all cooling out, G. I pray that this will never stop. You used to see the wrong colors in the gaps when pop, pop. But now the kids got a chance to live. And the OG's got something to give. That's love, black on black. That's how they made it. And if any buses flip, they get faded. LA is where I'm speaking of. Peace to all the gangsters. Cause I got a lot of love Got a lot of love Love I got a lot of love cause you're all my brothers Red or blue, black's the color We got a chance so we can really sweat the real fools Show those punk suckers the real tools Check the enemy, it ain't the family Not 111, try LAPD They gotta understand you beat on a black man It's gonna be drama, know what I'm saying? And if we flip, let's all flip together Cause I'm prepared, kid, for rough weather And we gotta realize the boys on the east side You call them SAs, I call them allies Because the day that we all unite Watch the pigs get real polite them punk suckers gotta learn quick that we ain't taking no more sh. LA is where I'm speaking of. Peace to all the gangsters, cause I got a lot of love. Crenshaw Boulevard, Sunday afternoon, folks sitting on things, Map systems, boom. The girls are looking better. The gang truce is on, so you wear whatever. At Venice by the ocean. Ragtop tray hits the three-wheel motion There's gangsters all around Still crazy sets, but you just don't clown I pray lake can stay this way It's the first summer I can really say I felt cool, we all chilled Went to the park and nobody got killed Now if you got a problem, it's man on man You don't need a gang to solve them i seen the greatest thing I've seen in my life two brothers in a straight up fist fight nobody pulled a gap, nobody jumped in nobody pulled a knife, nobody got done in LA is where I'm speaking of peace to my city cause I got a lot of love got a lot of love You
1: know, you know it's interesting that you were talking about this, you know, you representing your neighborhood and your, your set, so to speak, and other people coming together And if this is 10 years ago, so you're you're still pretty young at this point in time. How were you able to really get that type of knowledge, or did you have that type of knowledge to really be able to to see the wisdom in in coming together and forging these type of peace treaties and and, and laying down the groundwork for something that I think a lot of people in the mainstream try to ignore?
3: Well, I know for one thing, for me, the first motivation is that my will to live was restored to me because in that lifestyle and being a part of that, there's a lot of hate that's in the hearts of the children, you know, and the, and we had a lot of hate in our hearts, and and the hate was rooted in, and was rooted in the, the 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 dysfunctionalism of our families, the dysfunctionalism of our schools, the dysfunctionalism of our communities, and the police, and then we had all of this hate and nowhere to really. Take the feelings that we were uh experiencing and release them in a positive way, so they would be they would be manifested in the form of violence hmm. you know so this would take place for so long, but then I was, I was my my will to live was reignited when I was told I was going to be a father you hmm. know and it was my it was my that was that that was a key thing with me because there, a large part of why I felt a lot of the anger that I felt was rooted in the fact that I felt betrayed by my father. You know, and at the same time, I realized that if I'm going to be a father, I didn't want to betray my child, you know, and and I I didn't want to allow conditions to keep me from being productive for my child. So I knew I wanted this piece, but I knew that I couldn't just go for it. Everybody had to buy into it, you know. And then at the same time, the community, like I said, you know, these verbal newspapers that we call rap CDs or tapes, the community was being bombarded with public enemy, you know, X-Clan, you know. Rappers of, the, of that day did a lot to try to educate. And I, when I say educate, I mean to draw out the understanding within a person of their own abilities and the conditions in which they live in and to help them to determine uh, ways of surviving, not training, which is what we get in high school and the colleges, but education. Right. You know, this is who you are. This is the community that you live in. This is the governmental structure that you live under. These are the conditions of that governmental structure. Its foundation is white supremacy. You're a non white person, so therefore you will be targeted for various types of negative activity and pressure. How do you combat that? You know, and after understanding these things and and, de- and getting even deeper into my own knowledge of who I was, after reading the autobiography of Malcolm X, I was even inspired even more to go deeper. You know, and after wanting to know so much, I started talking to the OGs from the different neighborhoods and saying, man... What is the history of our neighborhoods? How did the Bloods come? How did the Piru's come? How did the Crips come? Who and where did these things come from? And after seeking all of that information, man, I mean, it was like a two-year, nothing but massive study for right. me, coming out of high school at 18 and 88, and and up until I was 20 years old, it was just constant, constant, constant study, constant research, constant seeking.
1: Right, and you know, the whole history of the gangs in L.A. is... Uh is a real rich one. I mean, you know, um, I don't know, obviously, as much as you do, uh, you know, but from people that I've spoken to, you know, I just sit there kind of awestruck because it seems like uh, you're talking about people coming in and at least at the very beginning having some sort of uh, goal. I mean, you know, starting from, you know, the, the fact to try and keep some of the white uh, uh, gangs from coming into the neighborhoods to, you know, trying to align themselves with the ideals of the Panthers and all that other stuff on down. And I mean, I'm just, you know, it's just amazing on that.
3: Oh no, that's exactly the that's exactly the facts. You know that a lot of these neighborhoods or these com- these social groups, I like, you know, they use the term social clubs. You know, the farmers and the gladiators, rebel rousers, they call themselves social clubs. You know, and they had to protect themselves by groups. You know, called the Spook Hunters, which would yeah. be a group of white kids coming in to watch mm-hmm. from the neighboring cities. You know, to attack people, and this is what people did to protect themselves. You know, back then, even the the violence of the of the supremacist uh, uh, race soldiers posing as police officers was even more extensive you know so when you when you were in a group you felt more protected
1: right we're talking like the sixties and stuff right exactly
3: right and then here it is right around all of this time you know you got the martin luther king situation you got the malcolm x situation where our people was assassinated and murdered and then you know you had the panthers who would come on the scene you know black panther party for self-defense you know and and they was pushing survival programs they were looking at the conditions of the community and addressing those conditions had somewhat become heroes to the people. Of course, young people who were already motivated to try to protect themselves and do what was right gravitated towards that, uh-huh. looked at that. However, you had something else that took place that was very dramatic and, 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 and a key component <laughs> to the destruction of our community, the Vietnam War. You know, we call it the birth the death and the birth, the the death of the old gangs, the death of the gangs, the gladiators, the rebel risers, that came with the Vietnam War because many of them were drafted into the war. Okay. Okay, many of them were were taken away in the war. Those who could not be taken away in in the war became Panthers or joined the US organization, you know, and basically you had a new breed of youth organizations coming up with the birth of the BRIMS. Of uh, the pie rules the Crips, and when these when these organizations started to sprout up, you know they 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 looked at the conditions of their community and they were dealing with trying to, you know, pro, uh, protect their community and they were be they were be becoming more and more influenced.
1: Now we're talking about in the early seventies now, right?
3: Exactly, mm-hmm. they were becoming more and more influenced by the by the by the struggles of the Panther Party and the US organization to deal with the conditions in our community. So you had a lot of these organizations, youth organizations, that, you know, I know for sure one of the members of, one of the original members of the Crips uh, <clears throat> by, went by the name of uh, uh, Little Bunchy. You know, his right. name out of Little Bunchy, he called him Little Bunchy, Bunchy it the former president of the Watch chapter of the Black Panther Party. You know, this dude, you know, the crew that he came out of were the, were the, were the East Side Crips, and they called themselves Baby Panthers. You know, and there's a situation at the Palladium where a dude was uh, beat down for a leather jacket as they reported it in the newspaper. But the reality was is that he was beat down for having a leather jacket on selling drugs in the image of a panther. And he was selling drugs. Ah, uh. That's why he got smashed. So, so you here it is. The history is coming forth. Right. But and then, you,
1: know, you know, it's interesting, too, is, you know, because Bunchy Carter was killed. Exactly. Right. And, you know, and... The fact that somebody like him had that type of influence over the, 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 the street gangs or the, the organizations that were forming at that time kind of parallels the type of uh, situation that took place in Chicago a few years earlier with Fred Hampton. Yeah, you know, he's a, a guy that had this type of rapport where he was able to influence the, the, the gangs out there. And just as everybody was starting to roll, you know, suddenly he's killed, you know, in his sleep. So, you know, obviously, the obvious question when you think about it um, is it by coincidence, is it by mistake, or is it a part of a bigger plan? Oh, no, it's most
3: definitely a part of the plan. It's called a COINTEL program, you know, the counterintelligence program, um, orchestrated and put in power by jaguar Hoover, the FBI. And, you know, and basically, all resources that America had at that time to come in and disrupt and tear down what the Panthers was doing was given to and, and used by Jagger Hoover to destroy the Panthers. The Panthers were being hunted like dogs in the streets. You know, they were being they were being ran out of the country, you know, some um some were even in prison for crimes that they didn't commit, like Geronimo Pratt who was just recently released from prison. You know, and here it is, the influence that they, they wielded over the young people in the community at that time was, 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 was unbelievable. But at the same time, this counterintelligence program coming in manipulating the conditions between the Black Panther Party and the US organization, you know, the infiltration of the organizations by FBI agents, you know, all of this type of activity goes all the way back to the Marcus Garvey movement you know and it's funny because even during the Marcus Garvey movement the first FBI agent it wasn't even called FBI agent uh, agency then was a black man and his name was agent it agent his code name was agent 800 sort of sound like Mark Licker you know <laughs> and he came to destroy he came to destroy so this counterintelligence program is not something new it can be traced back to the Marcus Garvey movement
1: yeah divide you know and know what conquer I'm saying?
3: divide and conquer manipulate <laughs> conceal and and displace You know, so this is the situation that people were being subject to. And as a result of that, with the collapse of the Black Panther Party and the the orchestrated conflicts between them and the Us organization uh, adversely affected the young people who were being influenced by them, because you could almost go along the lines of where the Us organization and the Black Panther Party existed in the community and find some conflicts that are rooted in some of the gang situations right now. You know, and I tell people when they look at the history and they go back and look at the history, Bloods and Crips will come to an understanding that we were on a certain page and moving in a certain direction. Someone came in and dismantled that and then reinstall something new. They stripped out that program for liberation and freedom and inserted a program for self-destruction and, and, and distrust of one another. And 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 the end result of that was what we came to understand as the gang phenomenon, you know, the gang wars. Right. You know, and at the same time, you know, during the late 70s, Coming into this com- this major conflict, you had the black exploitation films, which affected the minds of the young people dramatically. You had the individuals returning from the Vietnam War with drug addictions that they had, uh, 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 that they had brought back with them from the war from trying to. St- Deal with the trauma that they were experiencing over there, and at the same time, you had an influx of drugs into the community to destabilize the effects of the Black Panther Party on the community, and then you know you had the political, the politically motivated economic embargoes against the industrial and against the industrial urban centers of America. All of a sudden, the taxes are raised so high to function within the urban centers of America. All of the industries moved out to the rural areas, right? You know, and here it is: people had migrated from the south into these big cities for the jobs. You know, (coughs) they had they had no competition because most of the whites were away fighting in the wars, right? You know, to defend their country. And then here it is: the the whites coming home. The wars are over. You know, (laughs) excuse me. (coughs) The wars are over. People are frustrated and tired. There's been uprisings. So, oh yeah, it was all most definitely planned, right? Nothing happens by coincidence.
1: Well, you know what, man? You know this is—I'm—I'm I'm so glad we got a chance to talk to you today, uh, and especially hearing the history because I think a lot of times people, even—even even a lot of our listeners, were probably expecting like, can you give us the blow-by-blow blow thing of what was going on in the streets? You know, who got pulled out the car and all that. But you know, these things, like you know, like like you said, it didn't happen in a vacuum. Um, didn't happen in a vacuum it uh, took place because of um, you know all these conditions and I think I'm, I'm so glad that you were able to lay out these conditions because uh, as it was said in Ice Cube's song you know it's a long time coming you know and it finally just blew up so what I want to do is continue this conversation tomorrow and when we return what I want to do is talk to you about what has happened in the 10 years since the L.A. riots. I want to get the official progress report, the one that you gave a D-minus. So we're going to make way for flashpoints. Folks, we will continue this discussion tomorrow right here on Hard Knock Radio with David D. and our special guest from L.A., Twilight Bay, who is one of the centerpieces in the gang truce and the L.A. riots.